American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, y'all. We are now in part two with the Kristen Hopkins of Dangers of the Mind. I hope that you enjoy part one where we really talked about her story, how God calls her to literally pioneer an idea that I have never seen before. And I think you're going to really enjoy part two when you hear about really when God gives you a vision, the depth of your diligence with it and how when we're obedient, we can really begin to see the fruit fruits of our labor. But also, I think you're going to really hear just sometimes the sacrifice and the emotional sacrifice it takes to really push this out. And so I just want you to be very cognizant as you're listening to this, that you really gain some perspective and inspiration and also support her work. I think it's just amazing what she does. So now we're going to get into part two with the Kristen Hopkins of Dangers of the Mind. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Process, I really was praying and asking God, how do I make this so raw and real to reach black and brown children? Because that's my target audience. I said, there's millions of kids in the world, but there's millions of black and brown kids that need my help too. So I've decided a long time ago that I am physically dedicated to the black and brown community. Not saying that I'm not going to send my resources to other schools that need it, but our mission is to focus on and highlight a lot of the black and brown kids in the community that do not have culturally responsive resources, do not have culturally affirming resources to affirm the Shaniquas and the Jeromes and the Tatums, you know, the Tatums, the names that we don't hear normally, those are names that we wish we would have had growing up. Like we wish we would have saw in curriculums. Like if I would have saw my friends' names growing up, I would be like, oh, yo, this is for me. This was written directly for me. And a lot of kids don't have that. A lot of black and brown kids don't have that. And so it's my duty and my social responsibility to continue to push that into black communities. Uh, and so it has expanded because after the curriculum, you know, then we went on to develop a uh, intervention kit and I went and visited like 10 schools and sat in these schools. And I was like, I'm going in ISS. I'm gonna spend a week. And I think I spent actually two weeks and I went and my goal was to sit in the back of a classroom and see what a child does in ISS when they get thrown out to ISS. And what I saw was black boys, black boys, black boys just get thrown into ISS. They would put their hoodies on. They put their heads down. They wouldn't do anything. And then they would walk right back out. And so I would ask them, hey, what did you learn in here? They're like, nothing. And those same black boys would come right back. And so I'm like, there has to be some type of social and emotional intervention 
to allow them to know, hey, this is what you've done wrong. This is the responsible decision making that you have to do next time so that you don't end up in here because these black boys don't realize that they are a statistic to the school to prison pipeline. A lot of kids come to ISS and they go to alternative schools or get suspended and then they go to alternative schools and then they go to juvenile justice and then they go to prison. There is this pathway that is literally saying, hi, welcome. We want you, we wanna snatch you and put you in a system Right. And so our process is to say, hi, welcome. This resource is for you to to get you back on track. Hey, sis, are you currently in therapy? Then let me tell you about an amazing tool that I created and have been using since I started therapy three and a half years ago. It's called the Therapy Reflection Journal. Have you ever finished a therapy session and thought, girl, what did we talk about? Or a couple of days later, like, gosh, that was such a good point and I don't remember it. Or maybe you want a journal where you can reflect on what you and your therapist discussed to dig deeper into your mental health and really, really, really work on what you and her talked about. Well, I absolutely got you covered since you definitely need the Therapy Reflection Journal. This journal was designed for those of you that are in therapy that want to take notes during your session, write down homework, and it even has reflection pages for you to dig deeper following your sessions. It's basically your therapy journal to track your entire experience. I found that when I was going to therapy, I always would take a blank journal with me. And when my therapist would ask, okay, so how did you um, reflect on last session? I would be flipping through my journal like, where did I write that down? Where did I write that down? And I wanted to create a structured journal to keep up with all of those sessions, all of those notes, reflections, all in one. I still use mine to this day, literally. And I even refer back to it when I'm looking for different things. You can start using it today, even if you've been in therapy. So... Go ahead and grab your copy by going to rosalrenee.com backslash journal or go to the link in the show notes. I can't wait for you to use it. The Therapy Reflection Journal is your reflection journal for your therapy experience. Now, let's get back to the show. So that's been what I've been doing, yeah. And I think the, the interesting and the word that keeps coming into my mind that you said is skill. Because I think the the perceiving and and as a therapist I think I've understood even more that I'm teaching clients skills that were never given and we don't even really understand too even as adults I think as millennials that we have the authority and the power to then now learn these skills like you said it's our responsibility but a kid may or may not have that opportunity or resource to to get that And so like being able to teach them a skill of decision-making, being able to give them the skill to know how to resolve conflict. Yes. Communication. These are things Especially in the black community. Yeah. These are holes. There's just holes. And so what do you fill it with is trying to find brotherly love or brotherhood through things that seem nice, but Mm -hmm. ultimately don't lead to anything but negative consequences and as a kid you don't know the negative consequences you just see it's popular or known or or whatever or you're getting some kind of need fulfilled essentially but not really the skills to understand and I also think the second thing that was interesting that you said is really kind of with social emotional learning is really understanding emotions and just just basic emotional identification to baby to be able to understand this is what's impacting my ability to choose and make choices so even with that being said, what are some of the common things you see in students with that may struggle with emotional regulation? And just, I'm saying a big word right now, but a bit, basically y'all, emotional regulation is your ability to, when you're triggered, know how to calm down. So like if a kid is upset, they may shut down, they may go off on you, they may retaliate, they may do, and this working in black and, black and brown schools, I've seen this, they may plan later to fight somebody like they completely distant they completely disengage like they may use that one situation and say I don't like this person anymore but don't really even understand why they don't like them and so it's also being triggered and also understanding how to calm down but also understand and how you can calm down so when you see students who struggle with emotional regulation and maybe having no support in the schools what do you commonly see yeah, uh, the first and foremost thing that I commonly see is that, and I, this is a call to action to many educators around the nation, specifically Black educators, is that we need to understand the way our children learn. 
are our children kinesthetic learners? Are they auditory learners? Are they tactile learners? And the reason why is because a lot of these kids aren't learning or, or, or feel insecure because the way that a teacher may be teaching is not how they learn. So what they do instead is they act out. A lot of kids are reading on not their grade level. Like I know kids that are juniors that's reading on fourth and fifth grade levels that yes, they uh, pass. And that's a whole nother conversation of why they pass, but yes, they pass, but they, when you ask them to read, they shut down, they throw a desk, they don't want, and you wonder why they act out is because they don't know how to read. The second part is you wonder why kids disconnect with the material is because it's not culturally responsive. I know it takes more time. I know it takes more planning, but it's worth it when you see your kids connecting with material because you've taken, taken a lot of time or taken some time to actually get to know the child. You know, and I also, uh, one of the things I tell staff too is to ask them like you know we don't always talk about this and this is something that I really teach you on when it comes to relationship skills are what are your three core values and when we think about core values this is your foundation it's what you stand on and so for me it's like loyalty respect and integrity if I ain't about to be around nobody that's not integral like because you're gonna make me look bad I don't want to associate myself with you I don't want to associate myself with you if I feel like you're not loyal to our relationship you know like you won't come to me first if there's a problem but you come to somebody else first like these are things that disrespect my boundaries and these are things that allow me to say we ain't about to be friends no more, right? So if you don't know your core values, then you continue to allow people to disrespect your boundaries or push past your boundaries. And then what happens is you shut down and you start cutting people off and you don't know how to negotiate conflict constructively. Now, this is not for a student. This is also for teachers because teachers don't know these practical skills. And what they do is they'll get annoyed with their kid and then they start having this implicit bias toward their kids and they start talking about that same kid in the hallway with a teacher and a teacher's uh, lab. And what happens is now you start labeling a child that another teacher gets next semester and they looking at that child based off the labels that you had on that child. So there's so many things from a cultural standpoint and a climate standpoint in an actual school that has to be done. And the first part is, is, is actually staff have to learn these skills and, and, and commit to modeling these skills for a child. It's a monkey see, monkey do world. It's always been this way. If you yelling at me and telling me to sit down or you get thrown out, a child's going to respond by yelling back. If you don't demonstrate that you know how to manage your emotions in time of crisis and time of stress, the child is going to do the same. It's the same in the home. And so my biggest thing for, you know, of what I see is that students act out because they don't have a tribe. They don't have a village. They don't have support. And so, you know, that's the first thing. The other thing is that they you know, there's no real relationships. I call it relationships. And we have this card game that we're, we're um, about to push out. I'm so excited about it. Um, but it's a real relationship card game, which is saying, how are we building real relationships? Not real relationships, real. These need to be real. What do they look like? And so building these real, authentic, healthy relationships is very, very important um, for a child, especially children in alternative environments and juvenile justice, because they have a lot of trauma. They have a lot of trust issues and they don't believe you when you say what you say, because guess what? They mama, they daddy, they grandma, they adopted uh, foster mama, whoever, they have been let down. And so their trust is very shaky. Um, and then the other thing is the learning um, modalities, like teaching or just doing a simple survey, you know, for the first uh, when, when school opens up and say, hey, what, what, what is the best way that you learn? And, and describe those modalities to a child so they can connect and say, yeah, I do like to, to learn with auditory. Oh, I do like to watch videos when I learn. Well, I do like to move around when I learn because I have ADHD and I can't sit still. And try to incorporate those things in your programming and in your classes prior to the year starting, because I, I believe that that will be a huge way to connect with the child and then also allow a child to learn material, which will ultimately raise your test scores. And that's what they need. That's that's the underlining part of a lot of people like I'm stressed. I don't want to do social learning because it don't do nothing with my test scores. Yes, it does, actually. It does. It, it really helps your test scores. But but people have to think that way, that it's a long term investment. And a lot of people are not willing to do that work. But that work is what is going to save a child, what is going to increase your test scores, what is going to allow a child to actually graduate and go into being a whole citizen in this world. Yeah. And I also think that um, 
so for for people that don't know and have listened, I worked in a school for four years. I worked with high school kids in a brown and black community. So I've seen so many things that have good, bad, ugly, very ugly, super ugly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of the things that I will say too is all even as a teacher is we don't, as professionals and even individual people, we have to do our own work. We have to really be very vigilant about our own work as professionals and really deal with our own mental health and our own traumas and our own things that we bring into these spaces that impact our ability to be empathetic, impact our, because it's not just about getting a job done. Mm-hmm. But it's also about understanding what do I bring into this space and what triggers me? Because like what you were right. talking about was modeling. And also even with that too, taking it an extra step to understand that these things, even if they're small changes, can make a huge impact because we're doing the same thing over and over every year, kind of with the expectation, oh, this is supposed to work. There's a lot of work that sometimes gets done at the beginning of the school year or we're done in P- summer PD around behavior in the classroom sometimes I, I won't say this but I don't always believe that that those things were evidence-based where is the evidence-based practices what are best practices that help bring communication or bring teaching these things mm-hmm. into play and so there can be this expectation even for teachers to like know these things quote mm-hmm. unquote, like you said quote like know these things but honestly never being taught also never really bringing it back up so they go the whole school year, it's the same result. And so I think even as teachers, we have to do our own work. If Even if it's not offered to us, we have to do our own work. And on the flip side of that, being open and willing to learn a new way or learn a thing that's going to bring a different outcome that's going to be better. So kind of going with that too, why do you think it's important to have, and even you can talk about your different experiences and what you've done with different schools and different um, districts, what does this look like in, in action and how does this exposure with this understanding of social emotional learning, how does it help kids, what changes, because there is so much trauma and I know there's, especially there's a new term now of trauma informed schools, but mm-hmm. really like it being it really, honestly, in my opinion, is just us sitting through a presentation to learn about ACEs or learn about trauma, but we're never, we're not putting this in consistent play. We're not offering resources because there's still a lot of stigma. Black kids don't even understand the term mental health. Even if they do, it's like very, very vague. So kind of what your experience and the things that you've done in creating these curriculums, what have you seen shift from just small exposure, very even very small exposure to um, this curriculum and this teaching. Yeah. So first I want to back up really quick and say the definition of ACEs, just in case anybody doesn't know. So it's adverse childhood experiences. And so uh, there's a high percentage and I don't, I don't know percentage off my head and I don't like saying percentages when I don't know them off my head, but I know that there is a high percentage of black and brown students that, um, that are, uh, they're the top. So black and brown students struggle with ACEs more than any other race. And um, that is a fact. And so uh when we and know- I also say I'll add some stuff in the show notes for people who okay. are interested in ACEs. Right. Yes, yes. So I feel like that um the first step to understanding the uh the first step to understanding SEL or seeing it work in action is the the relationships. Like if you are not willing, I, I've actually had some directors of social emotional learning tell me that teachers are fighting um, because they're saying that their contracts do not say that they have to build relationships with students. And to me, that is mind blowing because how are you in education and you feel like that you're not supposed to build a relationship? With are students? you kidding me right now? So they are literally attacking on one of my districts, they are attacking the director of SEL because they feel like that they should not have relationships with students where now he's even considering or in their in their contract, it doesn't say that. So now he's even considering revising their contracts and going back to unions and saying, this is what they need to do because this is my role and this is my job and I have to make sure SEL is in schools. So this is where we are right now. There's a lot and a lot of people aren't talking about this because SEL, woo, woo, woo. But as providers, we know the real T. And as a provider trying to go into schools, it makes it difficult for us to be able to uh, create programs that can uh, be, you know, impactful when 
the teachers are not willing to do the work, like do that part of the work. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I have a, you know, um, episode that we're talking about this season where we're thanking black educators and we're highlighting, you know, teachers all over the nation, even white teachers. We have an episode with, with, with just focus on white educators and we're highlighting and thanking them for the work that they do. You know, there's just some things that have to change as we see from the development side or the provider side. And we want to make sure that we're making things easier for teachers too, you know, of course, because it's a lot of work. We're not in, on the ground level every day. Um, but as a provider, let me just put this out here. I am in the school. I still do go to schools because that's how I develop culturally responsive resources. I actually listen to kids. Um, and that is a big thing to note down. But um, I would say, you know, at SEL, uh, the percentages are about 11%. It might be up now, but it's 11% academics. SEL, you know, helps a child by 11%. Um, SEL creates culture and climate for a school. You know, SEL builds healthy relationships, not just with the students, but the staff. You know, if, if, you're, if, if you're a principal and you don't have an SEL steering committee in your school, you need to get one. And FYI, you can hire dangers of mind because we have whole strategies and plans on that. But we believe it in the importance of making sure that your staff feels um, the investment. They feel like you're investing in them and not just investing in them to go teach. Right. And so, um, and that's girl, top, girl baby. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. so much of the education space now is pushing to have kids do more and pushing teachers to do more and having teachers really just like, um, I, you know, there's these terms that the teachers use. I don't really remember, but trying to put more of the testing towards the end of the year, I think it's called standards girl I don't know mm -hmm. but yep. pushing more of like teaching standards and all of this but not creating the climate in the school or the classroom that engages these things and allows these things to play out well because the climate is it's almost like if you can't you can't plant a seed yep. in, into concrete and expect it to grow you got to prep the soil before you got to put it first I got to put it in soil and so to have the climate of even a classroom be prepped where there's trust, where there's engagement, where there's alignment. Kids are not aligned with education. Like they, they don't even want to try to learn from someone yep. that they don't trust. So if they're not even aligned with education and the learning, then they don't trust the person that's teaching it. They're not going to even want to engage in any of the things that are happening. So, but with, like you said, this push of just so much more, not understanding and having the right skills of SEL or really yep. understanding emotional learning will really help with that. Mm -hmm. And I, I just believe that when we, when all teachers buy into this, like we can shift so many narratives, we can change so many things, but we have to get the buy-in yeah. um, because we can't do the work on our own. And yeah. as for me, I mean, I can't speak for other providers because there's providers just out here like SEL is money in here. I'm making me SEL curriculum and sell it and I don't care about these kids. There are people out here doing that, but I have a heart for this. You know what I'm saying? I really, really have a heart for this. And it, it makes me sad when I go into districts or go into schools and sell a curriculum and then they just, the teachers just sit on it and they don't utilize it because they don't want to do something new or they're fighting back on it. But it's not about you. It's about the students. And, and I personally, in Dangers of the Mind, my company creates things specifically for the child in mind. You know, we are thinking about the, the facilitator, you know, from the back end perspective on how things will go with, with data and all that and try to make sure we're not forcing too much on them. We do think of that because I've been in this field since what, 2015. And I saw how teachers was like these worksheets is too much so we had to change you know everything to online like there's a lot of things we've we've adapted to and we've changed and customized to make it an easier experience on a, on a teacher but the main focus is that child and that's why teachers take these jobs in education for children right and so um yeah I think SEL I've seen SEL in action I've seen it yeah seen so it toot your horn toot your horn toot your horn sis Talk yes well I mean I mean I when I first started you know I had kids that were uh, shot four times at the age of 14, you know, they were, I got, I had another kid that was, um, uh, had, um, was addicted to K2, which is a synthetic weed drug. I had another child that was 14 years old, dropped my baby off before she came to my class. And I, I don't think I haven't mentioned this, but when I, the way I got into my first, uh, first, um, 
school was I went to an alternative school and I ended up meeting a principal through a friend. I met a principal and I sat down with her and I'll never forget her, Eugenia Young, um, because I remember our conversation in the office, we cried and we were talking about our daddy issues and all, all that stuff, you know, like, and it's real, you know, we, we were real black women that had some, uh, a bit of trauma, had some hurt. And I talked about it and I said, Hey, I, I developed this curriculum. I have no teaching experience. And so for me, I want to go in and actually teach this program. I don't want nobody to teach you. I told her, I said, I'm going to do the work. I don't want to buy a teacher because what I want to do is perfect this and see what's wrong with it and try to help it grow. And so I said, I need your top 50 students that you feel like you're challenged with. And she already had the list. She said, girl, here you go. Here's these students. Let's see what you can do. And I taught that thing for a year first. I went in and taught it for a year. Um, and I took 50 kids the first semester, 50 kids the next semester. And those kids were graduating and those kids' grades went up. Those kids' attendance went up. I had kids that were actually, and it's on our video on our website. One of our kids came to school. He was like, sometimes I, I come to school just for the dangers of my program and I go home. That's how connected he felt with the program. I had one of our uh, psychologists popped in. And one time we were in a lesson called Fear. And one of the girls said, I fear self-harm. No girl that she would have ever spotlighted to think that she needed to be on her list to check, check in with her. That now that was her girl. She checked in with her every Thursday. She made sure she was fine. You know, and so these were, my program was not just uh, a program of SEL, but it was married with cognitive behavior therapy. It was very innovative. We had kids writing, you know, rap songs about their brokenness and, and getting up and performing it. We had kids getting up and doing skits about fear. You know, this was pre post pre-COVID and pandemic. And so we had so much interaction, a lot of kinesthetic movement. And I just saw so much Black joy within these kids because they were like, we had principals telling me, my kid don't even talk, but you, how you get him writing a rap song about his brother that got murdered? about his own brokenness. How you get these kids that, that are the toughest of toughest of kids getting up and doing skits about fear? like about what they're scared of. And so what we saw was that, that it was these big therapy sessions, but just in very innovative ways where these kids even know they was in therapy, right? But it wasn't really, cause I don't even call it therapy because I'm not a therapist, but I saw the power of cognitive behavior therapy and what it can do when you just make it your own and you use it as a tool. And so that's how we like started, you know, DOM. And then when I saw that uh, the district came down in DCPS. I got my first contract on DCPS and I was working with them for three years and they came down and literally Sarah Navarro, shout out to her, was a white woman and Dr. Blaudine, who's a black, she was a director at SEL, but Sarah was working underneath at the time. And she came to me, she said, this is brilliant. I've never seen nothing like it. And if you know anything about DCPS there, they always are the, the district that tries everything first. So SEL wasn't a thing in many districts. And DCPS is the one who built the SEL team, tried it, modeled it, and then all these people started. Even Castle was, you know, working with DCPS for a long time. And they're like the largest, you know, SEL resource in the country right now. And it was one of those to bear witness to this foundational experiences that I've like got into a field that our field is only 45 years old. So God put me in this at such a beautiful season where I was able to build and develop. And, and, and then all of a sudden, boom, the pandemic hits in our field skyrockets by 20 years. Like it was the pandemic boosted everything because kids needed these social emotional skills. And so what, you know, when Sarah saw the impact of the kids, uh, she said, we need this for all the alternative schools and the juvenile justice center here in DC. And so that's when my program expanded and I was able to get, collect data and really understand how to navigate my way through. And that was the hardest time of my life though, y'all. Cause I was like going to five different sites by myself. Like literally like seeing the data, like training the trainers, teaching. And I was a one man show for a long time. And then I had to realize that God, I'm burnt out. I can't do this on my own. So give me the strategy to build a team to be able to support me in this. And God did. He was faithful to his plan of what he wanted to see. Um, but the the impacts that I see through kids, I mean, the connectedness, we have a brand ambassador uh, group and these kids sometimes come out of the program and they're like, we want something more. We want to continue this journey. We want to build healthy minds. And they go into being brand ambassadors with our company and we just had one of our brand ambassador retreats september 2021 and we got donated like 50 acres of land and 20 cabins and we had a three-day retreat where we had all these kids come in and all these young adults we had bonfires we had therapists you know come out we had speakers come out we took linkedin profiles to help kids get jobs i mean there's bit there's not we just don't have a curriculum we created this lifestyle brand where kids are now tied into this lifestyle movement 
And that is where FCL truly lies because a lot of people are thinking it's just with curriculums and curriculums ain't going, the curriculums is nice. It's nice. It's good. You, you're going to start the work, but how do we sustain the work? You know, and that's why our let's talk more SEL parent forums came into place in 2019. Cause I was like, Oh, we need to do something about this because this is cute and all for, for urban districts to be having SEL for, for kids. But guess what? A child going to go home right back to either a toxic environment or a environment where it's a busy home and their mama's trying to just get by and ain't nobody doing SEL up in that home. So how they going, how you expect a child to sustain this, right? If we're not teaching the parents. And so those were things that were really important to me was to have these wraparound services that allowed us to access the kids, the teachers with our resilient, you know, trainings that we help teachers own the power of their story through social emotional learning. So this ain't for no kids. This is for the teacher. What have you been through? What is your resilience story? Not resilience, but resilience. We coin marked and trade this term or trademark this term called resilience, which is R-E-S-E-L, where we're telling people, yeah, you've overcome obstacles, but you actually overcome them with social emotional learning skills you didn't even know you had. So how we do that is we are presented to you and highlighted to you as a uh, something that you're like, oh, wow, I actually was doing SEL my whole life. Now I'm about to do it intention. Now I'm about to practice these skills on a daily basis so I could be better. And so all these wraparound services is what we do so that we can not only reach the child, but reach the staff, reach the parents, reach the community. And that's how we're going to sustain SEL truly. And, you know, hopefully people will catch the wave, you know, later on in life. But right now, Dangers of the Mind has, has been on it. And we are like, this is what we believe in and this is what we our mission is to do. Do you struggle with being consistent with God? Or have you fallen off your routine and really need to get back on to spending quality time with God daily? Do you find that when you actually do sit down with God, you don't really know where to start, what to read, and you really don't know how to make your routine work best for you? Well, you absolutely need the Time With God course. So let me tell you all about it, sis. In this course, I discuss with you how you can actually spend time with God and study the Bible. In the first class, I teach you all the tools you need, how you can look at time with God as a benefit and not a duty or a chore, or even feel bad when you don't spend time with God. And I even give you some strategies on how you can spend quality time with him where you actually feel like you're building a relationship with him. In the second video, I share with you how to actually study the Bible. I give you over 11 different ways to read the Bible so that you can switch up your time with the Lord. Switch up your time with God and learn a fresh way on how to spend time with him. And if you purchase this course, you get the Time with God ebook absolutely free. In this ebook, I have over 23 different devotionals that you can take part in on the Bible app, 21 different Christian books, 31 of my favorite sermons, and two worship playlists. So you can never say you don't have anything to do in your time with God. Remember, when you purchase the course, you get this ebook absolutely free. So go to rosinrenee.com backslash time with God or go to the link in the description. Again, that's rosinrenee backslash time with God or go to the link in the description. Now let's get back to the show. And and first of all, bravo, <laughs> amen. Glory yes. to God in heaven. Because no, girl. He could only, amen. It's only, it's only God. It's only God. It's only God. It doesn't make any sense. Like seriously, it doesn't. I like, I literally be like going over my head. Like God, you took me from a book to a curriculum, to an intervention kit in schools, to a program. Because I'm going to tell you, it doesn't happen. It, it, it like the ideas get thrown out the window they don't be, they're not. Consistent. Oh, and, it, and baby, there was a lot of no's too. So shout out to the no's because y'all made me stronger. Okay. Shout out to the people that said, no, this is too much. This is not, this is too brandy. This is too colorful. This is not what we need. And then when the pandemic hit, everybody's like, oh, wait a minute. We wish we would have had this. Well, and, and two, to bring context to a lot of people who may or may not be in the education space, what I think the pandemic did was highlight and even exacerbate, exacerbate, yes, really <laughs> the, the mirror of why relationships are important. Because when you're sitting on a Zoom with a kid and they got their camera off and they do not want to even, talk, or kids don't even show up to your, to you think you a bomb teacher, but they don't even mm-hmm. show up to the computer screen to engage versus a teacher that gets all their kids to come to a classroom. 
there's a difference in understanding. And also too, I think even for all of us, it highlighted mental health even more and really helped us to see there's a lack of communication. There's a lack of ability to make decisions. And even with that, kids have more time. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're used to being in a school eight hours a day and now they're at home and they got so much more time now. So it just, I think it exacerbated the problem of there's this is now at this point, this is a crisis. Oh, yeah. And we really need to, this is a state of emergency. We really need to address this in order to essentially keep the education system afloat. Oh, yeah. Or even try to have some form of education for kids that's going to be fruitful and helpful for them long term. Yeah. And that just makes me think of uh, when you said state of emergency last year. So I created in 2020 Black SEL Matters. And what I did was I was actually running one day. And long story short, I ran a, a, another mile trying to hit a goal and ran a, a street over with this white man looked at me and he gave me the scariest look. And this was right around the time that Ahmad Aubrey had been shot. And so when I passed him, girl, I broke down. Like, I mean, like snot crying. I got this documented and reported and I know I will like speak about this one day, like as far as like really like sharing this, because this is what created Black SEL Matters. Because I said, God, I, if I'm traumatized and I didn't even really know it and I'm this change agent, just thoughtly, just powerful woman, imagine these little kids because one little kid came to me one day and told me, this was like two weeks after this happened to me. He told me, I said, um, I said, what, what, what is your dreams and what do you want to do? And he said, why, why should I dream when they're just going to kill us? What do you respond? How do you respond to a child that says that to you? I had no response. Like, I was just like, because I, I understand. I, I connected with this child. It's the narrative. So so when narratives are created, it almost, and even and to just even give context of the spiritual, mm. spiritual impact of this, the fact that this is even becoming, like we're already disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. like in so many so many cases but to the narrative of being killed and it being recorded and all of these things like it is such a spiritual attack on our children and the generations after us as millennials even growing up as 15 years old girl i had a a nokia listen listen Flipping my razor and I, the fact that I had a camera on it, okay? Like, Come on. So now and we were satisfied with those little pictures. Maybe I was satisfied. That's we I was satisfied the fact that I could talk with three minutes after night. Right. Come on, bring that back. <laughs> I was satisfied putting music on my MP3 player, okay? Yeah. Yep. So now to have the access <laughs> to information. the world is creating the narratives and they don't even know their emotional state. And so, like you said, with Black SEO Matters, because of that, they're getting narratives with no skills. No skills, no skills. And and like when you said state of emergency, it just jogged me because when in 2021, we wanted to do this conference in in person. So we created our first conference and it ended up being a three-day virtual conference, which was phenomenal. But what what the title was, was a state of emergency on today's youth. It was a Black SEO conference and state of emergency on today's youth. And I was saying, hello, hello, do y'all see that we're in a crisis? I do a girls conference every year. Last year, we had 980 girls registered for this conference. And we were looking at their responses in one of our surveys and I was in tears since I was in, like, I couldn't even breathe. I was like, they were so depressed. They had so much lack of uh, social interaction. These things can damage a child. You know, we got kids that came back to school and were stabbing kids to death on the second day of school because of social media beef. This is, a, we're in a real life crisis and people don't understand if you don't push SEL, if you don't build these relationships and talk to these kids, these kids can go down a very bad path, and especially kids that are, are were already in a pool of being identified as high risk or at risk or trauma. You know, those kids are the kids that I personally am concerned about. And I think into, I think even name that even more for people who are adults and like may or may not personally have a connection to it, may have been one of those kids. But but I think y'all think about as um because most of the, I feel like the demographic that listens to this podcast is like 25 to 35 40 we weren't given the tools to navigate college mm-hmm. we weren't given the tools to navigate even having now smartphones but 
we were fully developed at the point of our, or coming to a point of the fully development as these things were coming out. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know, I don't even think I got an iPhone until I was like 26 or maybe yeah. 25. Yeah. There's 12 and 13 year olds with that. And so to give context with this, imagine just the level of heightened, heightened this flight or fight where you're constantly on a state of being on guard yeah. all the time. It, the, it, it, it constantly puts you in PTSD or, or, oh, yeah. or having PTSD because essentially oh, yeah. all these quote unquote diagnoses just help you understand what it looks yeah. like. It, it, it's symptom awareness, essentially. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's just letting, it's putting a name to something that essentially is just symptomatic. It's just telling mm-hmm. you what it looks like. You avoid, you shut down, all that kind of stuff. But also as a 13, 12, 14 year old, not having those skills, imagine them being 25 then with never getting any type of level of, we weren't exposed to a lot of this as kids. We kind of still, I remember still listening to the radio, burning mm-hmm. CDs. Yep. Okay. Like the act of having to yeah. put a song come on to record it on your tape player. Like we didn't, we didn't have a lot of the, we weren't dealing with a lot of the same impact. Oh yeah. So I think we're not, we're not seeing like, even if it impacts us as adults who didn't even have the resources and the money to pay for therapy or go see somebody, these kids don't have that. And so we, we kind of have to really look at it, the lens of we're privileged to have resource and time to kind of see some things they're not. And so to be at a place where being constantly exposed and heightened and all of this, and then having to sit in a classroom for essentially now they're extending time on classrooms to help kids gain more education. Now, seven hours a day, you don't have, you don't have the same ability to process. And I can't even really sit that long. So I have the expectation for a kid to do the same and really not have the skills to even navigate. We have to really understand how important it is uh, what you're speaking of, Kristen, and why it's a necessary of all of our hands to be involved in this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I preach this all the time. It's like, I can't stress it enough. The, the levels of understanding that is created when we are able to uh, not just like allow kids to, to their voice to be heard, because a lot of the problems that we see and what we really see is that, um, like this is it's so crazy because like I see kids that will say on a test like how's your confidence level and they're like oh I'm very confident but then you ask them to read and they like you know they black kids don't know how to say how to be vulnerable and and what happens is that skews our data because it looks like and I read something the other day that they said that the top most confident kids in the world were black I'm like this is a dang on lie because I know that our kids are not as confident as they say on paper. They're the only race that we're, we're the only race that we're told to be tough. We were told to be strong. We were taught that way. We were not even told we were conditioned. We were conditioned. That's a great word. We were conditioned to, to, and it's almost like a social construct for the black community. Like it's like, what? No therapy for us. We're all right. You know, that, you know, pray, pray your therapy. I mean, your, your pain away. I had a, um, not to interrupt you again, but I had, um, my husband's family, I know he wouldn't care about me sharing this story, but his uncle, we were having a conversation this weekend and he literally said at his mouth to me, I was telling him about some of the stuff I do. Now I've gone full-time into therapy. He said, I used to believe depression wasn't real. This mm. is like a man that's in his mid sixties. Yep. Well, okay. So not far off in the sense yeah. of generation, still alive. He, he yep. said, it wasn't until I experienced it myself in my older age yep. that I began to understand it was actually a real thing and it's yeah. not fake Mm-mm. so to be your go your whole life and never know or even probably think maybe your parents struggle with or just suppressed it yeah it, it becomes a thing of then how do you function or know oh yeah but so we've been conditioned to be strong we've been con- yeah. and when what happens is you get to your age and when you like i'm burnt out that's mm-hmm. why we have so many health problems when we're older mm-hmm. we have so many physical ailments and issues we don't get to live long lives we weren't given the opportunity to know that you could live to 80 or 90 years old with proper care for yourself that's why 80 or 90 year olds are like baby work out take care of your body eat good foods for yourself like all of those things they say that because in their older age they understand the value of it at a younger age where we're at now right and so I think 
having the conditioned mindset to let go of the burden of feeling like we have to be strong, but also understanding confidence is not tied to status. Confidence is not tied to how many people, you know, confidence is not tied to likes and Instagram and social media just engages this more. So again, I know we could go for hours. I, listen, I can't, I'm just going to tell you one thing though. And it made me realize this. So, I mean, it made me think of this. So we started a campaign in 2016 called Legacy Over Likes. And it was a, it was a clothing line. So it's on the dangerdemind.com. But we recently created that into a, a program. So it's actually a program that we go into districts and train them on Legacy Over Likes. And it talks about parents. And it talks about the um, effects of social media on a child's character development. And what, what happens is people don't realize that social emotional learning actually is supposed to be married and coupled with character development. Because if you you can't do SEL the right way if you don't know who you are. And SEL builds your your identity, yes, but if you don't know those core values, if you don't know your characteristic traits, how are you going to build a healthy identity? So I just want to like really, you know what I'm saying? Because we live, legacy of likes means, you know, that we don't live for the validation of other people out here. We live for the legacy. What are you leaving? At, at your funeral, nobody's going to say she had 3,000 3, likes, she had 3 million likes, and we love her. No, they're going to say that. She, what did you do to impact this earth? What did you do to help somebody? Who are you? And that's why we have to be very careful about what our kids are being, um, who they're following, and who's following them. Because legacy of likes is not just about the likes you give. It's also, I mean, not just about the likes you get. It's also about the likes you give. When you're liking something, it's becoming a mental impression. And then now you want those new shoes. Now you want those Balenciaga bags and Balenciaga shoes. You want these things because you liked it and you saw it, right? So it's like, oh, you know, what am I following? Who am I following and why? And how is this? And it becomes a state of understanding. Again, narrative. It's narrative. It is a spiritual strategy of the enemy. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Create a very implanted narrative Mm -hmm. in your mind on these are things of value. And when yeah. you value something, baby, you cherish it. When you value, you go after it. When you value it, you will create your entire life around it to where it becomes a thing. If God tells you to put something down, it's like, that is absolutely right. crazy. Yeah. Have you lost your mind? What do you mean? Right. I need to be seeking God. <laughs> Girl, bye. I am right. this life. Okay. Right. And so it is an underlying narrative of the enemy to create this value system. Like you were talking about values at the top. If status is a value, I've had kids tell me they want to be YouTubers, which can be great if they are yeah. doing it. In the, in, but if they're doing it for the, the motive of yeah. status or like, or doing something crazy to get like. famous, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, these are holes. If, they're, if they've never been given the emotional validation that they were more mm-hmm. than this, they'll do something to go fulfill that need. And so when they don't have the skills to do so, it's important to understand that these things are necessary. And again, you'll just have a bunch of adults walking around doing all kinds of stuff. And again, y'all, I think we're just more so saying like, it becomes a mindset shift and really a perspective shift and to understand that these things can start off really young if we're not really, really engaging and also educating. Absolutely. I love the work you're doing. I think it's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, and Godspeed, sis, because his grace is absolutely all over it. Oh, thank um, you. And I could just see his his glory all in it. Um, yeah. Because nobody could ever really, I, like, here's the thing. Again, you ain't educated in this. No. Not formally educated in that sense. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And that says, when I tell you that says so, that says, that speaks so many volumes of you ain't gotta, you're killing every perspective that anybody who says they can't do something have inadequacy, feeling as if you're not adequate because you don't have a yes. family, going into spaces where people who are educated and educated and educated beyond measure in these areas feel like they're dumb because they don't yep. ever really told these things or these perspectives and they're so true and they all are spiritually aligned and this is why I always say that kingdom is when yep. you get kingdom principles and you understand I've been reading the exodus about mm-hmm. when God was giving the children of Israel um, the laws and how he was literally like if you take this you owe this person a debt or you have to pay back more and I said integrity just the mm. integral character yeah. of God 
the like of you can't go back and not do something if you've done something wrong mm-hmm. and so I think it's just is understanding this is so much kingdom principles oh absolutely that God is always in the mix of trying to get his people like, oh absolutely no I feel like that for me what God specifically told me is you have to remember that I have qualified the called and you are called so he's like, you, like I walked into spaces and I don't have Dr. Hopkins on my name, but he said, you are called to these spaces. And I feel it though. I feel that people are waiting for me when I go into spaces. It's like, you are called to this work. You are called to do this work. And on top of that, like he consistently affirmed me. And so one of the things that I, I learned and, and I'm done, but I, God showed me my name, what my name meant. And so Kristen is follower of Christ. Danielle is God is my only judge. Mm. And, and Hopkins is renowned fame. So God said, Kristen, if you don't know your name, when you walk into these places, I need to let you know who you are truly, because you're a follower of me. That means that you, I'm giving you all the directives. Ain't nobody else around here doing that. God is your only, I'm your only judge. So that means that nobody else is validating you, but me. So this imposter syndrome got to go. This fear got to go because I'm the only one that's judging you at the end of the day. And so once I knew that, I said, oh, you qualify me. That is why this is important. So the kids can understand who they're called to be. Who they're called to be. Because I'm going to tell you, like you said, knowing who you were as a kid, there were things that I didn't understand God would expose me to so young as a teenager. I was very like observant. I didn't really understand like why am I so upset I really like I people watch my husband says all the time he's like you be people watching I'm like because I really be want to understand why people be doing what they do it but mm-hmm. also that observant and ability to look at things helped me be a critical thinker on, yeah. on different levels for stuff that impacted what I do now and I think like you said this ain't qualified like there's nothing nobody could have taught you no, to no. understand this but just sheer belief to know that guy has called me this. So it's like, what else do y'all got to say? Yeah. And so, I will say faith without works is dead. I'm not out here just like on faith with, uh, with a hope and a dream walking in schools. I'm also working too. I'm also reading the latest materials. I'm also understanding things. I'm also, you know, I'm in school right now or going in and that's a whole new conversation, but God has literally told me that I brought you to a place and there's still work to do. And so we're not, we're not going to just say that we going, we out here like, Oh, I've been called and da da da. I need y'all to realize that you, when you called there, there are people that are called and their people are chosen. The difference is the people that are chosen do not say yes to the call. So you sitting right there chosen and God's passing you by with opportunities because you never said yes to being called. So in, in saying yes, is saying, I commit to do the work. I submit to your will, your plan for this job, this business, this opportunity that I can do it. Show me how to do it. And that and is the work. And, that and, it's a, and it's a whole thing about just simply being obedient. Simply. That's it. Everything lies in obedience. It's the key. Obedience gives you protection. Listen. Like, is like there are things I, I, I go to so many stories, but I can mm. think of just my pregnancy and, and conception, pregnancy, and actually having my son. The level of events that happened years before, mm. of things that I did not understand. Mm. I'll quickly give the story. So, long story short. 2019, I told, I remember talking to God and I remember I said, I want to quit this job. Mm -hmm. I wrote a quit day down for January, 2021. Shortly after that, he told me to propose to my boss to go part-time. This was a white man who was not, he was not for it. I know Mm -hmm. his personality, he was not for it. And I said, God, why you got me proposing to go part-time? I don't understand this. I was also just became a supervisor. So I said, so he gave me this whole proposal. I presented to my boss. My boss said, we're going to do this. He's like, we'll, we'll talk about it next school year, which was 2019, 2020 school year. So 2020 comes March. We go into the pandemic. We don't know nothing about the pandemic. We go virtual. April mm. comes. I find out I'm pregnant shortly after towards the end of April. My boss comes back to me and says, I know we talked about you going part-time. Are you still considering doing that? I really want to talk about that. I go back to God. I said, Lord, I'm pregnant. We're in the middle of a pandemic. My pay is going to get cut. What hat, What should I do? He said, you do what I told you to do. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. 
So again, top of pandemic, we don't know that we're not going to be back in the classroom. I was like, oh, well, I'll go back to school. I'll be part-time. I'll only be working this amount of hours. I'll be big as a horse by then. So I might as well just go do what God said. Right. I go part-time. My pay does not change. My boss worked it out to where my pay did not change, sis. Come on. And because I'm part-time, all of my major duties got pushed to every uh, some other people, some other mm-hmm. employees. Yeah. So when we went into the pandemic and we did not have to go back in the summertime, by this point, I am six or seven months. I am not working. I am literally only managing my team and seeing kids probably working at that point, maybe seven to 10 hours a week at Mm. home with a baby in my tummy taking naps. Additionally to that, I want to leave in December. Again, pay did not change. When I'm going to turn I had I was able to take off work for four months, mm. get paid the whole time except to one month, went back to work in May and was able to transition out of my job in July. But here's the mm. thing, because I had gave all my duties to everyone, I had done so much prep time when I was pregnant that my staff were able to essentially when I quit, know what to do. Mm. And so it was such a easy... something happened two years prior so when Mm. I went on maternity my staff were able to do everything because all of my major duties were given to other people and they were able to manage essentially without me because we had done so much prep work and I was part-time so good and so when I tell you this man will literally obedience Obedience. and it didn't make sense why am I going part-time it never made sense never makes sense but god be like mm-hmm. you don't think it makes sense now but watch and so that, that again that track record <laughs> so okay. when i'm like when i hear it i'm like okay all right i might not want to i might not be the best sport at at it in the first but i'm gonna do it <laughs> i'm gonna do it because i know the rewards of obedience and ain't worked at no place since mm. having my son which was the whole point when i okay. i told him back before i was before i conceived this man okay? mm. Like, I don't even want to work when I have this kid. And I went on maternity leave and never went back to a physical job. So good. He's so faithful like that, though. So obedience is protection. Mm. Y'all don't protect girl. Okay. So anyway, to share the Mm. projects you're working on, how we could support, whether somebody wants to support physically, financially, whatever, in what way could we support or just tell us about what you're doing now? Yeah, so of course, if you are an educator, um, get us in your schools, you know, per, per, uh, go to our website, dangersofthemind.com, check out all of our resources that we have, our culturally responsive SEO resources um, is easy to navigate on there. Uh, if you are a parent, you know, advocate for us to come to your school districts or where you live. Um, we have our Let's Talk More SEL programs and we have our, their series of four uh, programs that we bring to schools to teach parents about social emotional learning and about be- helping your child. Uh, if you are a community leader, the same thing. And then also uh, we have blackscl.org, which is our nonprofit arm from the Danger of the Mind Education Fund um, is powered by. So if you would, you know, this resonated with you, you want to donate to a great cause where we help uh, cr- continue to create free events for uh, communities, uh, go to blackscl.org uh, and donate. Uh, you can also go to dangersofmind.com backslash matters and donate as well. Um, and it goes to the Danger of Mind Education Fund. And yeah, you want to subscribe, go subscribe. We got free webinars coming up. Our first one is on, on May 3rd. I'm really excited about that. We have um, free resources, free downloadables that you can grab and just learn more about SEL. So we want to be able to make this a free social emotional or a, a, a social emotional hub that, that provides free op- opportunities for Black people. So so, yeah, that's about it. And then you can follow love, me on social love, media. Love, love. <laughs> um, my, my social media is oh, at Kristen D. Hopkins, at Kristen D. Hopkins. And then Instagram uh, is at Kristen D. Hopkins. And the same for Dangers of the Mind, just Dangers of the Mind on all platforms. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I mean, too. Check out Kristen's work, y'all. I know that you will love it. And if that's all, I'll see y'all next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters. Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. 